we have PTSD from that. And it, <laughs> it was one of those moments where we ended up doing that. There wasn't nothing on the market. And so it was one of those two, three o'clock in the morning, sitting down, crying, talking about, we're going to go, like, we're going to do this. And we didn't know what the hell that meant and that it was going to take two and a half years and 60% of our life savings. Yeah. But it truly was a trip to Disney World that inspired us to like, okay, we're figuring this out. We can't be the only ones in this. And there's so many ups and downs of what are we doing? Oh my God, we're blowing through all of our money. Oh my God, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We should go back to work. <laughs> Tony and Julie Balmasino are very near and dear to our hearts. Their business has been such a huge blessing to our family through our daughter, Lana. The Balmasinos co-founded Real Food Blends, a company that provides real food options for individuals with feeding tube. And our daughter has had a feeding tube pretty much since birth uh, due to her prematurity. We had so much difficulty navigating diet and nutrition for a medically complex child, and Real Food Blends was uh, like a miracle for us and for Lana uh, when we discovered it. Anyway, this episode isn't about us. It's about the amazing company and relationship that these two amazing individuals have built. Prior to starting their business, this pair worked in the digital marketing industry for over 15 years. They met on the job, working at United Airlines, and never imagined they would one day be running a food company. But after a life-changing experience with their own son, AJ, their dreams changed and our family is one of thousands that have been blessed by the results of their journey. We'll dive into the details of their story in our interview, but let's just say that it's one you might need to grab a tissue for. Julie is the CEO of Real Food Blends and Tony is the president. And uh, something I should mention, a few weeks after recording this episode, it was announced that Real Food Blends was acquired by a specialized nutrition company, Nutricia, uh, which is owned by Dannon. So that's awesome, and congratulations to Julie and Tony on that amazing accomplishment. So together, Julie, Julie and Tony have built an incredible life, family, and business that now helps tens of thousands of people nationwide, and I'm sure uh, with their acquisition, it's going to help even more. And last thing to mention, this episode is made so much more important because it's going live during November, which just so happens to be Prematurity Awareness Month. Uh, and that is extremely important time for our family. So with all that, we hope you enjoy this amazing conversation as much as we did. We love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses. And one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing. Luckily, Gabby and I run a B2B digital marketing agency called Proofpoint Marketing. Our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Join us in Mixing Business with Pleasure, a podcast about loving your work and working with your love. Your hosts, Mike and Gabby, are entrepreneurs who have found their passion in both their personal and professional relationship. The pair who swore never to work with each other are now working happily together side by side in love, life, and business. Tune in each week as we feature co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. We have a very, very special episode today. We are so, so excited and just quite frankly thrilled to have our guests on the show today. 
it's not very often that you get to speak directly to people that have impacted your life that you don't know them you know we don't know them but i feel like we do know them because their story is so similar to ours so we're, we're excited to dive in before we do we want to ask you a, a couple of quick questions here since work and love are both four-letter words we'd like to know what your favorite four-letter words are oh <laughs> <laughs> appropriate for this uh, yeah, yeah, podcast yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Oh my gosh, four letter words. I would I would definitely say love and food. That's, that's dogs. Dogs. <laughs> well, we only have one, but yeah. Oh, I can say Luca. That's our daughter. Yeah, I like oh. <laughs> yeah. Tony. <laughs> See? Yeah. I like um, that. That's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> we always like to kind of kick off our episodes with this. It gets people off guard. And it's just kind of a fun one. And, and it often, believe it or not, the words that you choose are often very meaningful and they always somehow end up impacting the episode. And our guests, even though we tell, it's in our guest guide and we tell people what, what, the, what we're gonna do, it, it still takes people off guard, but it, it always ends up coming full circle to the episode, which is really beautiful. So I love your answers. Next question here is, what came first, business or love? <laughs> oh, <laughs> love, for sure. I mean, we, we actually met at work years ago. Yeah, but not real for Yeah, friends. 17 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but love first. And then, um, you know, the business came thereafter. Although Tony and I have, you know, kind of similar career paths. We were both in digital marketing. So we've been able to to truly mix business with pleasure for years. We always were talking to each other about our careers and our jobs and next steps. And, you know, as most spouses do, I feel like they talk about, you know, come home and complain about work, <laughs> but we would, uh, we would probably get more into the weeds than most couples would because we, 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 you know, understood what the other was doing. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was cute. When we met when we were working at United airlines and we had to be, we had to be careful. We were yeah. both young and in our, you know, kind of trying cared about our careers a lot. And, um, we think we were dating for like two or three months. And we were kind of thinking about maybe breaking up. And I said, well, I got good news. I'm leaving the company. And I kind of left. So we didn't have to worry about that anymore. And we uh, we continued to date and got married. We just celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Uh, September 23rd. Thank you. So that was cool. Real Food Blends has only been around for about seven, call it seven and a half years, seven, seven and a half years. So certainly on the foundation of love and our business and backgrounds is, is what Real Food Blends was born from. Yeah. Yeah, we incorporated in May of 2012, so we're over. We're technically over eight, eight years, years. <laughs> which cow. is kind of amazing. Yeah, it's it's. Oh, wow. Some ways it seems so much longer, and some days it's like, wait, what? We've been doing business right. that long. <laughs> we sold product in 2014, huh? <laughs> well, and I'm so glad you did because our daughter. So I want to back up. I can t we can totally relate. Talking about digital market, Mike and I are both digital marketers, and before we uh, we started our business. We were working, we live in Minneapolis, we were working downtown Minneapolis, working for two different marketing agencies. And so we'd always talk and, oh, what are you doing here? What are you doing there? And then also the, the Real Food Blends, thank you guys for doing this business. Often as entrepreneurs, we try to scratch our own itch, right? There's something that's out there or that's not out there that we need that is that is affecting us deeply on a personal level. And so as entrepreneurs, we we go and do it. And so I want to talk a little bit about kind of how you got into Real Food Blends. You, know, you both came from 
corporate background, digital marketing backgrounds. From what I understand, you guys were both very accomplished senior marketing executives in your careers. You have a beautiful daughter. You, ha you had a son a few years later, and then kind of your world went upside down. So let's get into it. Tell us, tell us kind of from that moment, from AJ's birth, because he is really the inspiration behind everything you're doing right now. Give our audience a little bit of the background that got you to where you are today. Yeah, well, from a business perspective, I mean, we we tease when we tell them another story. We're like, listen, we weren't sitting around thinking like, oh, what's the next great business idea? Or what's the big industry we could disrupt? And like, all of a sudden, we're like, oh, feeding tube food. <laughs> you know, this happened very organically. And, and my guess is you probably had zero clue about zero. feeding tubes, yeah. about, about enteral food, about formula. I mean, as we did, we had we had absolutely no clue about it and just the machinations about it and the and also the emotional and psychological impact that it has which is something i promised myself i wouldn't go into it but <laughs> it is the, the the emotional and psychological impact of the feeding tube is something that we as parents feel that our doctors did not at all prepare us for that they did not at all prepare our ch now our daughter was just a baby but but anyway we're gonna have to have a personal call with you guys and talk more about that stuff but let's get into the business side of things so please well, go ahead you know i don't think you can really separate it out because those two things go hand in hand that psychological impact is just as important as the nutritional impact of our of our food you know and, and you were robbed of a certain you know bonding experience when she was an infant even though you're saying oh she was just a baby yep. you know how would you have been comforting her back then you know and, and how would you have been feeding her you would have been she would have been in your arms and you would have been nursing her or bottle feeding and that's a comforting thing so it's a huge giant and yes, we can have many more calls about that side of it, but I'll stick to the business side. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> we teased too that we could have, or it would have been a lot more easier, um, you know, to get this company off the ground if one of us had traded in one of those marketing degrees for a food science background. <laughs> we have lots of marketing degrees, but nothing in the food science world. But, you know, so, so AJ, when he was born, things were okay. You know, at six months old, he had a 45 minute seizure, which set us off into this special needs world. And so... Um, you know, when I had our daughter, Luca, I'd taken some time off work and kind of the plan was, you know, I, I always wanted to go back to work. I thought, oh, once, once the second baby is about one and done nursing, then, you know, I'll start going back to work and doing something. And Tony had a very, you know, demanding career and well, you know, you make plans, <laughs> God laughs for sure. So once he's, you know, once we've kind of got thrust into this special needs world, all plans were kind of off the table <laughs> for sure. You know, between the doctor's appointments, the therapist, the, the, the tube feeding, the vomiting, the constipation, all the different people knocking at our door constantly, <laughs> you know, the therapist and the early intervention, you know, there was just so much going on, but the food was one of the things that we could control. And there was so much that wasn't controllable with what was going on with AJ at that time. And just in our, you know, in our family life, it was, you know, we don't, we didn't look at it at the time and, and recognize it, but the emotions that we were feeling, you know, the PTSD of, of watching him go through all of these yep. things was so incredibly difficult. And so, you know, I always say Dr. Google led me, you know, I was just researching and researching what could we possibly do? What could I possibly do? Because I no longer can nurse my son. And we started blending up food in our kitchen, you know, right around when he turned one. And, and we, we very distinctly remember pushing 10 mLs of baby, baby apple food. So like apples, 
you know, 10 mLs, which is like a teaspoon, into his button. And we literally stood back like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Shouldn't be afraid of that. Yes. <laughs> like, we just put a teaspoon of apples into our kid's stomach. This is not, you know, groundbreaking, newsworthy event by any means. But that's how scared we were of the whole process. And, and we really were going rogue at that time. And so this was really 100% Tony's encouraging because he was saw- seeing what I was doing in the kitchen. And he's like, there's got to be something easier. And isn't there something pre-made? And what can we do? And why hasn't anybody done this? And so... He kind of got all the questions out there, and I'm like, I don't know. Let's start doing some research. Um, and that's where we, you know, we put our, I, I like to tease that I, I dusted off that old MBA hat that I hadn't worn in a couple years. And we started really thinking about, wow, wait a second, this industry is that large? You know, this, this tube feeding formula um, industry is that large, and why isn't anybody talking to us about food? And so, and, meal, and meals. meals and normalcy, all of those things. So, that was back in, you know, 2012. We incorporated in May of 2012 because we thought, okay, there's, there's an industry here. There's a, you know, there's, there's people like us that would be interested in this. And, you know, what we have now, it was almost being done in the baby food market. So we knew logically, like from the food science perspective, it can be done. It was just a matter of bigger and can it fit through the feeding tube. We had no idea about insurance coverage that came years down the road. Manufacturing, warehousing. Yeah. Our first, you know, business plan really kind of was like, well, we can sell some on the internet. (laughs) <laughs> um, having no idea digital marketers yeah, right digital, yeah so we kept thinking like yeah. okay if we can just get the product made we know how to sell it so and you know which is funny because we actually didn't know how to sell it because the vast majority goes through the medical system <laughs> and the healthcare community and insurance reimbursement so i mean that's the long story short but, but we, it, it keep you can't forget about the disney aspect of this yeah so really really work you know like julie's already working on the idea before this but in blending and kind of became a rock star blender and, and chef, if you will, at home. But then we're getting ready to go to Disney World and take our daughter there with AJ and with Julie's mom and stepdad. And we were like, wait a minute, we're going to have to blend, go shopping. And we kind of say this in one of our videos, but it truly, we have PTSD from that. And it, it was one of those moments where we ended up doing that. There wasn't nothing on the market. And so it was one of those two, three o'clock in the morning, sitting down, crying, talking about, we're going to go, like, we're going to do this. And we didn't know what the hell that meant and that it was going to take two and a half years and 60% of our life savings. But it truly was a trip to Disney World that inspired us to like, okay, we're figuring this out. We can't be the only ones in this. And there's so many ups and downs of what are we doing? Oh, my God, we're blowing through all of our money. Oh, my God, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We should go back to work. (laughs) We're skipping through all those moments and arguments. And, you know, when you're married and running a business together, as you know, you can often turn your turn your fear and sadness and stress on each other. Yeah, <laughs> um, and yep. we've certainly had. <laughs> There's a lot of nodding going on here. Again, we'll talk more about that on the per, on the personal call. Yeah. Um, but jokes aside, you know, to arrive at the point where we're sitting here having this conversation with you, it's uh, it's a it's a bit surreal. You know, we sold millions and millions of meals. We have employees from coast to coast and a huge social media community, and it's just been an amazing ride that Julie and I don't sit down and talk about on a day-to-day basis because guess what? We're raising kids and we're running a business. So thank you for giving us yeah. the opportunity to take a minute to, to reflect. And I remind yeah, you too, definitely. talking about that, it's, we are in this really strange, unique situation as entrepreneurs that 
we don't want anybody to need our meals. That's right. You know, like it's like, I don't want you to need me. And if you become a customer of ours, that's not necessarily a good thing, but it is because, you know, it's not causing you to need a feeding tube. It's just trying to help along the way. So it's, it's a unique marketing stance (laughs) and and personal. It's like, Oh, Oh gosh, I'm sorry. But, but here we're here to help. (laughs) I'd love to ask a couple, a couple of questions. So uh, I want to ask a few questions too. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, Uh, we, we, we joke as Gabby usually jokes that she hogs the airwaves and I just jump in randomly and say something that's very profound. So I'd, I'd love to quickly take a step back and then I want to f- follow up on what you just said. Um, stepping back in terms of, you know, everybody usually says that, you know, the best ideas are born from scratching your own itch as far as entrepreneurship goes. You guys obviously did, right? I mean, it was it was more than just an itch. Obviously, it was a, it was, it was a dire need. And we, we know that for a fact. But I, I'm curious... You know, was there any other entrepreneurship inclinations prior to this? Like, were you ever out there going, you know, I'm kind of done with this corporate stuff. Like, I, you know, looking at your backgrounds, you know, you did go, I know, Tony, you went to a smaller company at one point and Julie, I know you consulted for a little bit. Like, was that sort of the first steps to entrepreneurship? Was this already, was entrepreneurship kind of already in mind when this sort of lightning struck, if you will? Or was this just like a, oh my God moment and we have to do it kind of deal? But I think the answer is yes and no. But the reality is, you know, you don't just end up somewhere. You know, when you when you look back at something and you realize, like, how the hell did we get here? If you really are honest with yourself, there's all these different things that happen. And for me, and obviously, let Julie chime in. My my dad is a, a blue collar, hardworking guy. Never never went to college, but he he left kind of corporate. He was a painter and started his own business. A man of one, Bombasino painting and decorating. Got a van and controlled his own destiny. And it, you know, he basically said to me, why, why wouldn't I do this myself? I can make about the same amount of money. I can control my hours. I can work on the jobs that I want to work on. And it was that from the very moment inspired me. I also have cousins that, you know, started their own small businesses and, and different and different family members. And I was always inspired with the mindset. I, I grew up very poor. And so with the mindset of being able to control your own destiny, not just financially, but to spend time around your family and friends and, and work on things you care about. Yeah, that that was always in me and, and kind of probably always irritated my bosses when I was working in a real job because I was, why are we doing this? And I want to do this. And uh, I'm, I'm not the best rule follower sometimes. So maybe that maybe that's what I have in common with other entrepreneurs. So well, and, and as you can see from kind of our backgrounds, we were both involved with the startup community in Chicago yep. um, at various different roles. And so we liked that. And, and, you know, we were very lucky that, you know, we had this idea, we had this business plan, we had these degrees that would help us, you know, figure out like the accounting and the operations and things like that. But we also through our backgrounds had access to capital through right. some angel investors, which that's only because of our backgrounds and being in that startup community. And, and that, you know, without those angel investors early on, we wouldn't have started the company uh, or we wouldn't have, you know, gotten very far. To the next level. Yeah, because, you know, we weren't trying to make this in our kitchen or even a commercial kitchen because the shelf stability of it, which was the food science part, was was such a key to the whole and safety, process. right? Yeah. USDA, FDA. I mean, we couldn't be, you know, trying to ship these meals refrigerated across country. So that was a big part. And that took a lot of money in the very beginning. Thankfully, we had enough people who trusted us and trusted the idea and the research we did and said, yeah, why isn't this being done? And, and wrote, che- wrote checks, quite frankly, which... I think a lot of people that have a good idea don't have that access. So we were incredibly lucky that that background had been done. And we had an attorney and an accountant and like kind of all, like we knew the marketing and the website and the brand and that kind of stuff. 
but we, you know, kind of like, as we say in the South side and big Italian families, I got a guy, got a guy. Julie and I both <laughs> could, could pick up a phone yeah. and say, okay, I need some help understanding food science. Yeah. I need some help understanding operations or legal or convertible notes. And we would, we would talk on their heartstrings a little bit, you know, <laughs> yes. it's for our poor son. <laughs> <laughs> <calling> a favor. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it, it's all worked out and you know, there's, there's been some definitely kismet moments along the way yep. that, wow, we can't believe that worked out or gosh, that would have changed the whole trajectory of the company if that hadn't happened or if that had happened. So, you know, looking back now, it, it, you know, things happen the way they were supposed to, which is something we have to remind ourselves a lot that, you know, it's okay. And we used to tease my old boss at United Airlines where we met, you know, you get, you get worked up about things when you're working and especially with your own company, as I'm sure you can imagine, like things seem huge. She used to tell me, Hey, Planes are still flying. So <laughs> At United. Everything else is okay. Is the plane still flying? All right. Everything else is solvable. So it's kind of a good reminder to us, like, okay. Don't freak out. Yeah. It's, let's figure this out. Let's remain calm. So. Man, I needed that advice yesterday because <laughs> I had a moment. We didn't say we listened to the yeah. advice. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. This is this is just so amazing. I'm I'm loving everything I I'm hearing. I want to respond to everything. Um a couple of things I wanted to react to is you know, Tony, you mentioned growing up poor. I'm curious how did how much do you think that if that has helped, you know, because there's a, lo a lot of studies and people say sort of, you know, that being in that situation, kind of scraping by can help once you get into entrepreneurship. Talk maybe talk a little about that. Yeah, I, uh, I have a high pain tolerance for, <laughs> for and, and uh, my life was pretty unpredictable from the time I was born. You know, parents were divorced young, lots of other stuff I'll spare the details on. But because of that, I also le learned that I could survive things, right? And in, in an entrepreneurship, you're often in survival mode. Yeah. Sometimes people think you're insane and don't believe in you, or you might even think that about yourself. And when we were first starting this, I, I you're certainly worried from time to time, but I believed in the idea from the very beginning and could almost see it kind of, I believe so strongly in it that nothing was going to stop me. And he told I, me numerous times throughout the years when I would be freaking out at night, you know, oh my God, <laughs> what are we doing? And what's, he's like, we can always go back and get jobs. I'm like, we're going to figure this out, jobs. right? Like, it's okay. It's like, it's not like we're not going to be employable. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that would always help me like calm down a little bit. <laughs> and I knew, I, I knew what it was like to have zero dollars. You know, I literally grew up on welfare and, and we were, had some financial success at that point already. And so all these little things kind of did prepare me. And so it wasn't a scarcity mindset from a poor me mindset or a, oh my God, if I fail, I'm, I'm going to lose, like, I'm going to lose everything and I'm not going to figure it out. It was the opposite. It was you know what, if we fail, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna figure it out. Julie didn't grow up rich either. Julie grew up in a hardworking family and with, with uh, meager beginnings as well. And so we kind of had that bond of, you know what, we're gonna figure this out. And when you are, maybe you, maybe it's equal parts kind of confidence, but also, you know, you gotta be a little crazy to be an entrepreneur and, and believe your believe that you can do something. But definitely I draw on, upon that still to this day and having that belief in yourself and being comfortable in your own skin and knowing it's going to be okay. So yes, for sure. Growing up the way that I did helped. I think that, you know, as parents, when we become parents, we don't realize, and, and how could we, because we were never a parent before this, but we don't know that the, the impact that our children are going to have on us and the lessons that our children are going to teach us 
you know, I always thought growing up, well, you know, my dad is telling me everything and he's teaching me everything. and I'm so sick of this guy and my parents are annoying and blah, blah, blah. But then when you become a parent and you have a child, nobody tells you how they're going to change your life. Nobody tells you that they're going to be your greatest teachers, that they're going to be your greatest motivators. And that is very true for us. Our daughter was born premature. She was born four months early. She is the reason why we started our business because we similarly we need we needed to scratch our itch we couldn't find jobs that would give us the flexibility that we needed to, to be to be at home with our daughter and to to make the kind of money that we needed to pay for all her medical needs i, I want to talk a little bit about about aj's role in this because it's pivotal because i think you know had you guys not experienced what you did with him do you think you would have become entrepreneurs at some point I think we probably would have been like doing some individual consulting type things like in the marketing world, but not, not nearly this. I mean, maybe, you know, we, we, we were interested in entrepreneurship, but you know, it, when you have a kind of a lightning bolt moment like this with what, you know, fell into our laps, it almost seemed like we had to do it, you know, for the greater good and to honor AJ and what we're going through with him still to this day. I mean, we probably would have done something you know, consulting type stuff, like maybe just, you know, independent consultants, things like that. But I don't know that it would have been, you know, our own own business. So we're, we're thankful. It's it's a good question. It's hard to think back like what would have like, what would have like been, you know, we would yeah. have, um, our day to day would be very different. I'm sure. I know, I know. I remember what life was like before it all happened. And it, and it was a lot of Julie and I racing around being focused on our next title and our career and our next raise. And we were very career driven. We both had advanced degrees. We we're kind of rising up through our careers and our priorities weren't in the right place all the time. At least, at least mine weren't. I was so into, you know, and so maybe we would have started a company, but I don't think it would have been a, a company truly with purpose and meaning, you know, it would have been an ad tech company or a, a digital marketing oh, company. Cause that's yeah. what we knew. Yeah. And, and so I, you can't tell, but I'm six foot six, 265 pounds. <laughs> and I like I like to eat and cook, yeah. and 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 so does Julie's family, and, and so we are always talking about food. That's the irony of having a food company, yeah. and and so maybe we would have done something around food in a different way, but AJ certainly changed the trajectory of our careers and our lives forever, mm-hmm. and to the day we die. And I and I think in a very positive way that I find way more meaning in who I am today and and what we do today than. Uh, than I ever have before. Yeah. But by no means when we were like little kids or we're thinking, I'm going to develop an enteral nutrition company. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't, that yep. wasn't the plan by any means. But. <laughs> I think, you know, there are very few people out there that have developed an enteral food company. And I know because I did the research and you know, because you did the research. I mean, there's you guys and then there's Nourish, which we tried and just didn't work for us. And then there's basically big pharma that 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 produces, you know, Similax and, and all the formulas out there. I'm curious because this is just something that that I just want to know personally. What are the biggest lessons that AJ has taught you guys both as parents and as business owners? Uh, <laughs> I'm a softie. So for me, and, and I struggle with this, is, is the giving up of control. 
that I can't control everything. And so I've learned that in business for sure. Um, but, but with AJ and, and I was, I mean, a lot of why, why real food blends exists is because I am type A and I was trying to control something about what was going on with him medically, you know? So this was the one thing I could do was to control his nutrition. It, you know, not that I had permission to do that back then, but I, I wanted to do that. And so the patience, which again, I struggle with, um, it, but you know, just how long things can take for him to do or master and how much he has to work. It's, it's inspiring, it's frustrating, it's debilitating at times for, for us, for me especially, because again, that type A persona. So the patience and just the stick-to-itiveness is the biggest thing that I've, I've learned from AJ and I continue to learn. Um, and that I just can't control everything, which I don't know, maybe that's also a factor of being in my 40s. You start to learn like, okay, <laughs> how about you, hon? I, I, I think for me, again, growing up in a South Side Chicago kind of tough uh, environment is that I always had this definition of what it meant for a guy to be strong, you know, and it, it wasn't about, and it didn't, uh, involve crying or showing your emotion or talking about your feelings. It was more suck it up, you know, be the man, be there for your family. And over the years now I've, I've, I've written a blog for special needs dads and I've kind of gotten more comfortable talking about my feelings. And cause I know a lot of guys don't have an outlet for that. And you know, what it's taught me is that I don't have to fix everything. And that I don't always have to be the one that uh, is strong and that I can have a crappy day and I could be sad too. And that I can do that in front of my daughter. You know, I thought, oh my God, if she sees me, you know, sad or not sure of myself or we don't know what's going to happen, I'm not setting a good example for my wife or my daughter. And I've learned that that's BS. So AJ's taught me that that's BS. That because Amen. Some... <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> because, you know, some days he's completely inconsolable and crying and, and we can't figure out what's happening and it has a seizure. And then other days he's smiling and happy and you're like, yeah, that's natural. That's yeah. human. And, uh, and so I've learned that it's, you know, it's not normal to just be okay and strong all the time. And that doesn't mean you're falling apart or that you're weak or that you're any of that. It actually means the opposite. You're a freaking human being. So he's, he's taught me to keep smiling no matter what comes at us. Tony and Julie, that was so eloquent and so beautiful. And again, we, I just want to jump in and talk about, yes, like Mike struggles with his emotions too, a special needs dad, and he doesn't talk about anything. And I went through PTSD, especially around the feeding with Alana, because that was something, again, that our doctors just never, never, oh, they never told us about that. They told us, here, it's a feeding tube, put the food in, boom, you're done. And it's, it's so much more than that. It's just so much more than that. I mean, the process is truly medicalized, which is what, you know, part of my altruistic part of, of being, you know, the CEO of Real Food Blends is to talk about those things and to demedicalize this process. Because for the vast majority of, especially our kiddos that are, you know, using our meals, it's not, this doesn't need to be a medical procedure because most of them can't swallow safely. That's why they have the tube, not because anything is wrong with their digestive system. So, right. you know, right. it doesn't need to be medicalized, doesn't need to be nutritionally complete. We can go back to breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe some snacks, eating what, what mom and dad are eating and what my siblings are eating. It just happens to go through a feeding tube and not through the esophagus. And 
that that definitely the medical community does not talk about this whatsoever nor do they talk about that parental relationship to food i mean we celebrate with food we mourn with food we talk about food constantly i mean to the point where especially these last you know seven or eight months being at home like if somebody asked me what's for dinner one more time i'm gonna freak out <laughs> I'm like, i don't know like i'm like you want to eat again um, you know, it's, so it, but but food is so ingrained in in our culture and every culture, right? I mean, yes. think about Thanksgiving, think about funerals and the wakes. What do we do? We bring we bring meals. So breaking bread, breaking bread. So we just that is completely and totally ignored in the medical community. Um, and I think especially in that NICU experience, that that is so tough because I'm sure you were expecting to at least breastfeed for a while, and again in in your arms and that bonding is. It's so important and it's completely ignored. And, and um, you know, I like to use this platform for Real Food Buns to kind of address that and talk about it and say, that's a, that's a real feeling. That's legit. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's lifelong too. Yeah. You know, so we, we're talking about kids a lot here, yeah. but, you know, our kids grow up and there's a lot of adults that eat Real Food Blends and have feeding tubes, you know, people with oral cancer and ALS and brain injuries. And so and we, we like to say people are living with feeding tubes. They're not surviving and often they're yes. thriving. You know, they're, they're overcoming yes. lots of challenges. And really breaking down myths and stereotypes, you know, we put AJ around our meal table. Not every day. You know, sometimes he, he doesn't want to cooperate. It's weird. He doesn't want to sit around and watch right. us eat Exactly. Talk. Why would he <laughs> like, not want to do he that? He can't eat or talk. Right. And he's like, sweet, this is fun. <laughs> but Thanksgiving, you know, we host Thanksgiving. And AJ will be a big part of that. And we often put out videos and blending up turkey yeah. and stuffing and cranberries because it's not just about the food. And when Julie and I still talk about this all these years later, when we talk to the, the you know world-renowned dietitians and doctors and GI doctors and neurosurgeons, and there is lots of food science and medical research that goes into our meals. There's lots of complexity and simplicity to have five to seven ingredients in a pouch, but we don't need to talk about all that. What we're trying to do is help people feel human again. When, yes. when you're already dealing with somebody that has so much complexities, whether it's you know, cognitive issues, or again, they have ALS or cancer, the last thing they want to do is have all this complexity with their food. Yeah. They just want to feel a little bit human again. Well, and on the adult side, it's, it's, we see a lot of depression in general. Yes. You know, think about it with the cancers, with the ALS, and now all of a sudden you can't eat either. Ugh. So you, you're used to that for all of these years, using food to celebrate and mourn, and it's something to look forward to, and, all, and now that's gone on top of yes. the diagnosis. So Brutal. one of my favorite stories we have, and this was from the early on days of Real Food Blends, it was actually a local person here, that the, 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 the husband, and they were in their early 80s, was ordering the food from us directly and actually coming to pick it up here you know, locally, which is odd for us, um, for his wife. She was on a feeding tube due to, just due to dementia, so she just wasn't eating enough. And they had been you know, married for 60 plus years almost at that point and eating the same thing every night, right? Dinner together was what they did. And so he started on his own. If he was having fish for dinner, he would give her the salmon meal. If he was having chicken, he would give her the chicken meal. And I'm like, that was a light bulb moment for me on the adult side. Wow, this is about bonding and social norms and, you know, being together. This is not just how many calories in there. Is there enough protein? And where's it coming from? And where's the added sugars? Like, it was much more of a psychological bonding experience than I ever thought. And I think back to that couple all the time and how adorable he was. Because everyone always and tells us from the beginning, who cares? They can't yeah. taste it. And we're like, listen, you can, you, what do you do when you walk into a restaurant or a bakery? Yeah. You smell and your mm -hmm. stomach is your second brain. And then all the people Julie was talking about, 
people that are cognitively still fine. I'm an oral cancer survivor, but I can't eat. And so the ability to have the mental, you know, I'm having salmon, I'm having beef, I'm having turkey, I'm having chicken. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we can't cure any of these horrible things why our loved ones have a feeding tube. But again, making it just a little bit easier, right? That that's what our brand and our company and our mission is all about. And Tony brought up that one that one phase, and it gets me every time that we do hear from medical community. I mean, it's it's getting less and less. We're getting more and more support as more and more research comes out saying, "Oh gosh, food's good for people." A wide variety of real food is, is better. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who knew? Gosh, we can go down a rabbit hole with this. I want us. To, I want to bring us back a little bit more towards. Get off my know, soapbox. Let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> We well, me and Mike, we can talk to you. We we, we could be on the soapbox for for hours with ever. you guys, just the same. But for unfortunately, sure. I I would venture to say that a lot of our audience is is not you know doesn't have a lot of experience with enteral feeding. Not that they shouldn't know about it. Not that it's something that we shouldn't expose our our audience to. But I know that our biz, our community is going to want to focus more about your relationship together as husband and wife, as well as how you've built the company and kind of where it's going. And that's also also something that we're very excited about. So let's let's go back and talk a little bit about kind of where things are at now with the business, where you see the business going. And I know we want to talk a little bit also about the mixing business with pleasure aspect, talking about how you guys are working together today and how things have been and some of the lessons that you've learned along the way. Mike, I'm going to kick it over to you because I know you have some burning questions. I always have burning questions. Where's the business now? I mean, we know it's a it's a it's a niche business, but it's a pretty large industry. We're talking billions of dollars, <clears throat> and you we know that outside of the formula providers, you're really one of two, I guess three, if we count Nestle's complete, right? So, how how, how big is the business? As much as you can share. I know you're probably not going to share you know total numbers, but you know what. What percentage of the market do you have kind of thing? <laughs> a little tiny bit of one. <laughs> you may start? Yeah, you go ahead. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of funny looking back. When we, we don't talk about how many employees or, or actual revenues, but I can tell you this. We, we've sold tens of millions of dollars worth of real food blends at this point, millions and millions right. of meals, tens of thousands of customers. We've grown 30 to 500% year over year for seven years straight, and we're still scratching the surface. We're a, very, we're a very profitable multi-million dollar business. We have an unbelievable team. And you know, so th that's, and, and the other thing that we can't kind of gloss over is we've doubled our product line. When we first started the company, we had three different meals and now we have six. Uh, and so, you know, the quick 30 seconds of where we're going, you'll see us launch more meals, hire more people, uh, and you'll see us continue to advocate and push the industry forward. You're gonna see research studies and clinical aspects of the business, that kind of stuff. So. And, um, and you know, do, giving back as well. That's exactly right. You know, one of the, the best part of, of this business is our ability to, you know, being a profitable business is our ability to support these charities mm. that work with within this organ, you know, within Entral Nutrition and and the research, you know, along with that because the research is so key. So that's that's near and dear to our heart for sure. This is not a, you know, we didn't get into this fortune. <laughs> and keep so. in mind this the. The success of the business is fun to talk about now. We're, we're not talking about the first like three years when we weren't paying ourselves a salary and scratching and clawing, trying to figure all this out and begging people to invest and give us loans. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great journey that's led us to this point. And, you know, you never think that you're going to be in a position to be donating so much money to it, whether it's ALS charities or cancer or children with special needs and 
because of how you, know, you asked the question growing up poor, that's also because of how we grew up. We can think back. We're, we're very fortunate. We have an unbelievable support network and can, you know, can afford good health care and have nurses and people around us and nannies. But there's lots of people that are going through the exact same things that we are without any of that. Right. Yes. And, and I, I'm 45 year old man now, but I remember being that seven year old kid trying to figure out, oh, my God, this sucks. What are we having for dinner tonight? Or what about this? Or being jealous that I, I can't have, you know, the new pair of shoes. Now imagine that's food. You know, when it's one thing to, to, to want something, it's another thing to need something as basic as nutrition on top of having special needs or medical complexity. So that's really what drives us. You know, the, of course, we're a for-profit business. We're going to be innovators and launch new products and do all that kind of good stuff. But how we operate the business, and, it, and it's not just with our customers, it's our employees too, is figuring out how we can have some fun along the way, how we can help empower them to do things that they care about. We have little things like RFP Cares, where we, we donate money to charities they care about, whether they're connected to the tube feeding industry or not. So those are the kind of things, you know, like it's, it's truly started as a family business, but now it's extended beyond Julie and I to, to our team. So that's, that's a great thing to, to be able to do. That's awesome. I love everything that you're saying. That's that resonates so much with us and our company and the things that we want to do in terms of giving back and so on and so forth. One question that came to mind is, you know, you talked a little bit about the struggles early on and kind of the the tough years, as you put it. What and and I think that as especially in mar, you know marketers, we're always thinking about, oh my God, I want to do this. I want to do this video, this content this campaign, this creative, you know, we're always thinking about that next big shiny thing. One of the things that I would love to know is, you know, when you guys were starting and early on and things were a little tough and, you know, funding wasn't there or you're getting, you're kind of just getting things off the ground. What was one thing that you really wanted to do with the business, but because of, you know, maybe budgetary or time constraints, you weren't able to do, but now where you are today, you are able to do that, or maybe you've already realized that that marketing goal or that dream. I have answered for that. Before. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing early on is is you know, had we had a crystal ball, had we you know had the funding in earlier, I think, and had I trusted myself especially more <laughs> during that time period, I think we would have just moved faster. You know, it did. It took us not quite two years to get the first product in the market, um, which I think we probably could have done that quicker had we, you know, had, I don't know, a little more oomph. <laughs> you know, I was still a little nervous. Is this really going to happen? Or is this only going to be an online business? Um, so so that's kind of my my regret, so to speak. But, you know, it was it's the reality. And when we say two years now, it seems like it, it oh, that's fast. You got to market fast. But it, it's, it felt long, especially, you know, there were so many unknowns. You know, we've been able to do a lot of things that we wanted to with the business. You know, one of the big things, again, my, my goal was that families don't have to go through what we went through. So the fact that we, you know, just recently we announced um, a GPO contract, which opens the door to having real food blends in hospital settings much more so than ever before. There's a big, you know, contracting system in place that means we couldn't get into places. And so that's one of more to come that... That's that's really, to me, been a big goal is just to have that availability in hospital settings so people weren't going home and, well, go home on this formula and see how it goes. That's that's amazing. It's not going to solve the whole, you know, we're not trying to take over everything that's done in hospitals, 
but just to have those clinicians, those doctors yep. and those patients, you know, you know what, let's try this while you're here and see if this helps with some of these issues before we, you know, put you on super specialized formulas, before we add all these medications, even before we do like a, 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 um, a J-tube surgery, you know, mm -hmm. like people have surgeries before you can try right. food. So that was a big goal of mine. Um, and it's really, really rewarding to see that finally those walls starting to come down a little bit and we're, we're knocking on those doors and they're actually being open. So how about, what were you going to say? I just, I was trying to think about how I would answer that. And it's, it's a couple of things for me. It's, first of all, it's and it's kind of what Julie is talking about, but like making a difference at scale, it's cool to sell, you know, a few hundred cases of meals mm -hmm. or to have a small business. It's really cool when you're talking about millions and tens of millions and truly getting emails and seeing it happen in the conversation that we're having with you. And again, the, the, we're a for-profit business. The financial is great, but truly having a difference because it's cathartic for us too to see other people, hey, wait, we're not the only ones doing this. But what was neat as marketers is being able to do campaign, big campaigns and giveaways and big philanthropy things. So in the last couple of years, we do this thing called 12 Days of Holiday Magic every year where it's 12 straight days of like all these crazy giveaways where we're giving away money and meals and gift cards and recognizing people. And we created an award in one of our unbelievable customers honor named Brian Liebenau, one of our first customers, unbelievable guy, guy in his forties, oral cancer survivor. And we're in a position now where we can do that kind of stuff and just like bring a smile to some people's faces and help them financially and give them access to the meal. So that's where kind of like, the marketer, the, the human being and the business person have all kind of collided where, you know, we're not just sitting in our in our kitchen with no employees and hoping these things sell. So that's been a, a super rewarding thing. And one of the other things, too, and I, I forget about this sometimes, but our original business plan, you know, people ask all the time, like, oh, the formula companies, what are they going to do? Or what if they <laughs> what if they rip you off? What if they do the same thing? And our original business plan, you know, there's a whole section in there saying, well, if we're successful enough, they're going to have to respond. They're exactly. not just going to sit back and, and ignore this. And so I do think, you know, the fact that they have both launched somewhat competitive products is a big sign that they can't just keep saying food doesn't matter because it does. And yes. so yes. a wide variety of food yeah. matters, yeah. not just and one so, formula. With so food, I can right? guarantee you both of them did not want to have to do this because, you know, food based products are a heck of a lot more expensive to produce than corn syrup. <laughs> so, you know, just the fact that we've been able to disrupt this industry to the point where they've had to respond is, is rewarding to me because, you know, our kid was having those formulas and, and doing really poorly on them. And I, you know, they're, I don't think that they were ever, you know, evil intentions, but they're big giant companies that care about the bottom line yeah. and shareholders and stock prices and things like that. And, maybe not necessarily to the, the benefit of the, of the consumer. And so, right. you know, there was never a study out there showing that any one particular formula was better than a very whole food diet. It's easier to get into. There the, still isn't that there study. There still isn't that study, yeah, by the way. <laughs> by the way, if that, that sounds like a marketing idea right there, right? Something that you guys, <laughs> maybe you're already on it. You're already on it. It's it's a silly thing to say because if that if there was a study out there showing that this one particular formula, like as a sole source nutrition, was better than a varied whole food diet, we'd all be drinking that formula and only eating for pleasure. Right. Like, right. Why would you eat the same thing <laughs> right. for every? This nobody be, does that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so just the fact that they've had to respond, you know, as much as I wish that they didn't, because you know we would have a bigger company. <laughs> um, but the fact that they've had to respond has really given us even more of a leg to stand on because their response is saying yes, food matters. 
and sometimes they, they put it in terms of like, oh, for people who want this. Or if right. I'm, you know, like not like. In the off chance you, you want a wide variety of food. Yeah. Right. You may not want good nutrition, but if you do, we have a solution well, for you. More, they, you know, because they're they're more in the business of marketing directly to the medical professionals. Um, yes. So so oh for God fam- love them for families who want this. You know, we have this option. Not not oh wait, with here's the studies, here's all of that. So you know, the fact that they've responded is is actually a good thing, and it's it's helping more people. It's giving us a, a like I said a better leg to stand on that this is not this wackadoodle idea. And now here we are in the middle of a global pandemic. We haven't hired any marketing or salespeople. We haven't had a single in-person event. We haven't launched a new product. <clears throat> and our company has grown more this year than ever before. And so in the face of competition, other things, you know, we feel really good about that, that our, again, it goes back to our team and our products that we believe in. And even in a, a very competitive market, it's a multi-billion dollar market. We know from being in the airline industry and as marketers, it's not like everybody just goes and uses one specific product. And so our, we're just trying to have as big an impact as possible. We're not trying to be the next, you know, $50 billion company. We, we want to do well. We want to, you know, create a good job in life for the people that work with us and for us and have some, you know, life is short where we want to have some fun along the way. And, and uh, we've been very lucky to be able to do all of those things. And I mean, we have to do, you know, give a shout out to all of our customers because Absolutely. I mean, from a, from a marketing perspective, this is like a marketer's dream because people would, this was so unique and novel, especially year, you know, four or five years ago. I mean, people would get their first shipment and take a picture of it and post it on Instagram, post it on Facebook because they were so excited and tag us. And we still get that. We get the pictures like unsolicited, you know, people just send us pictures like, look at my kid, look at the, look at the color of his skin. You know, before yes. and afters, you know, the, and the same thing on the adult side, we get all of these pictures of, you know, the one customer sent us a picture of him hiking, you know, using our meals. Living, so, again, living, living with the feeding tube. Yeah. And so that is just, you know, that's just, you know, money in the bank, so to speak, because that's telling, you know, our customers tell their friends, tell other people, tell their doctors, tell their dietitians. And the fact that they're so excited about it, that they're, they're taking the time out of their busy days to post on social media and share these pictures and tell their story is... We, we we wouldn't be here without that That's because right. we didn't have Absolutely. this big giant marketing budget, you know, five years ago. We still don't have a big giant marketing budget. You know, the, the customer word of mouth is priceless. It's it's more sol- it's solid gold. It's better than anything that any marketing, you know, guru can come up with and can do. And I know that before we had the pleasure of, of starting this podcast and having you guys on the show, I know I was um very involved in your Facebook group and and, and finding the research and doing, you know, doing all that stuff. Um, I want to make sure we go back to something. You mentioned that, you know, you guys were two marketers, no food science background, and now you have a food company, which obviously requires a food science background. So take us through that. Like how, how do two marketers start a food company? Again, this was almost being done in baby food. So we knew it could be done. It was just a matter of how do you get the shelf stability? How can you puree it enough to get it going through there? So it really just took a lot of phone calls early on. And um, we're based in Northwest Indiana. So we're right outside of Chicago and Purdue University, which is here in Indiana, has a really amazing food science and agriculture department, which my first calls to them was unfortunately was in the middle of the summertime. So they were in summer session, but I got some really good insight from them. Like, yeah, this is how you do it. This is what it's called. This is, you know, these are the 
these are the manufacturers that are doing this now, like the pouch machines and the and the pureers and all of that stuff. And so they put me in touch with who now has been our manufacturer for eight years almost. Um, and they have an amazing R&D facility. They have food scientists on staff that we've worked hand in hand with since then. Um, and we're, we're a, a relatively small part of their business, but we've been growing, you know, exponentially every year. And so they have, they bought in early on to Real Food Lens and uh, we, we love them to pieces. And so we didn't have to hire a full-time food scientist. You know, the other part that made this a little bit easier for from, you know, starting another type of food company is that most food companies are incredibly concerned about taste and taste is subjective. And so you have to do these panels and these studies and what do you think? And yep. they think, and, and, oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, which again, I think is ironic. You talk to my husband about my cooking and say that, oh, we have a food company that doesn't care about taste. <laughs> um, not that I'm a bad cook. I just... Put, I hide vegetables on a lot of things for him. She tries hard. <laughs> um, so, so that, you know, again, it was somewhat easier than a typical food company would be because it wasn't like, oh, I like, this is too salty. That's too sweet. It was, it was truly all about the nutrition and then shelf stability and fitting through a feeding tube. So. Right. Tony, I'm, I'm saying to myself, where's the pasta? Where's the cannoli? Where's my, you know, where's the good nonna's cooking, right? The good Italian food, right? <laughs> And that listen, and that that is still one thing I struggle with as AJ's dad. I I do love to cook big meals, and it's it's an emotional thing. Uh, but it's but it's also good that we do we do what we do. Hey, you know I got I got to tell you though, it's it's important we talk about how did you start it. You know that is the that's the the technical aspect of it and figuring it out. But I also think it's important to realize that you don't have to know everything when you're an yeah. entrepreneur. You know, when we're, we, you guys were marketing executives too, and there's so much data and so much information that you think oh, I got to know this and I got to be on top. You got to be humble enough to realize like, okay, Julie and I can't magically overnight become clinical dietitians or food scientists or GI doctors, but you know, so you don't have to have the right answer all the time, but you got to have the right question. And we leaned on our network and our mentors, like nobody's business calls, emails, Googles, brainstorms, whiteboards. Um, okay. And, we knew that it could be done. Yeah. So it's just a matter of figuring out how to do it. You know, we weren't trying to get somebody to Mars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was so one step at yeah, a time. A lot of phone calls, a lot of just asking for what do you know, who do you know, can I talk to somebody? And people are willing to help, especially when you dangle your cute little son in front of them and say, like, <laughs> Can you help me? Got this little business. <laughs> yep. I'm so glad you said that, Tony, because I think that oftentimes as entrepreneurs we want to know everything. We have to know everything. We have to have our fingers in all the the, the cookie jars. And, and we don't, you know, we can operate with a degree of, 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 you know, of ambiguity of saying, okay, we're going to figure this out, which is very hard for me to do as an entrepreneur. I kind of hate that feeling of not knowing. And, and I'm sort of figuring that out as I go. I would love to know if you could tell us a time where the marriage side was really struggling because of the business. Man, that's really, that's really going to be hard to come up with one of those. Yeah. It's, I mean, we haven't figured it all out, that's for sure. And then throw a global pandemic into it and we're, we're at home together all the time. Um, but, you know, I, I, when you asked that question, the first thing I thought back to was, you know, I am, I am um, pretty risk averse for the most part. And the biggest kind of, you know, jumping off point with Real Food Lens was when Tony 100% quit his full-time job, which was really the only income we had coming in. Because I was, you know, working on real food blends, raising the kids, trying to minimize nanny time because 
we only had one income coming in. And when we decided together that it was time for him to, you know, join the, the team or join Real Food Blends full time, and we were both all in and we were jumping off that cliff, I was incredibly nervous. We should have done it months before, but I was the one hesitating because I was nervous about not having money coming in. I was nervous about working together. I was nervous about a lot. And, um, you know, luckily he kept pushing and we kept discussing and finally we did it. And it's by no means been easy or simple or a walk through the field since then. And we do butt heads, but there's nobody else that has interests aligned or that I would trust because we have the same interests aligned than Tony. So even when we're bickering about something related to work, we know we're on the same team. You know, I don't have to question his motives because <laughs> his motives are my motives when you get down to it. So um, it still happens. You know, it's it's happened probably more so the last, you know, six or seven months because there's no break <laughs> because we're always together. You know, we just try to, I think like all married couples, if you work together or not, you have to try to keep communicating. You have to try to keep looking into yourself and say, what am I doing to light this fire or to ignite this or to not help or to not put it out? Um, and again, not perfect by any means and it is a struggle some days and some days it's great and easy and fun and others it isn't so what else do you want to say about that yeah so how I, how I would answer that is I actually thought about the opposite way not shocking, shocking. is that I was more <laughs> nervous not to go do this together right when you have a son that all of a sudden you're thrown into this world that you never thought you were going to be into is that listen this is an opportunity that people don't ever get if if we were we would have to have jobs anyway so if we weren't doing real food blends together we'd be on airplanes away from each other somebody would be at home with aj alone dealing with all the complexities and so for me it's worth the angst or the fights or the uncomfort because that's there anyway that's marriage <laughs> you know what i mean and so is it perfect no, ask our employees. Uh, do we love each other? Do we love our family and care deeply about our business more than it? Absolutely. And I think getting really more specific, I think it's really important if you're going to work with your spouse, and this took us some time, is figuring out boundaries and roles and responsibilities. Like we, once Julie and I kind of figured out, okay, Julie's going to manage the sales team and product and this part, and Tony's going to do marketing and HR, HR and finance. He loves HR. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm serious though. Like there's a, there's a real business strategy and tactical answer to your question, right? We, we're talking about the emotional side of it, but I think it's really important. And then like, here's where we're going to meet in the middle. You know, when we hire people, when we invest a lot of money, when we're talking about moving offices or benefits, we talk together. Other than that, you know, she's running her parts of the business. I'm running my parts of the business. We have different people reporting to us. Um, and I think that's very important. You can't try to, you know, you can't be looking over the other person's shoulder the whole time and try to do every single thing together. And we did that uh, when we were small. Thankfully now we have, we have an awesome team. You know, you learn as an entrepreneur to try to delegate and let go, which is all, it's a lifelong process. But that's the biggest thing for me is that, I feel super lucky and fortunate to be able to be doing this with Julie and having our daughter watch us do this and create something that will be a legacy for the rest of our lives. And at the same time, it's a learning lesson in humility to realize again, not just as an entrepreneur, but you don't have to have the answer. You know, you can depend on the other person that has your back. So it's been, you know, as you guys know firsthand, it's, it's super challenging, but it's also more rewarding than just working at a, a random company. Definitely. So you, you brought up your daughter. Something we like to ask people we have on the show that have children, what lessons do you think or have you seen her kind of take away from watching mom and dad build something from the ground up? Man, I, 
I think she's very entrepreneurial already. I'm surprised she's not coming downstairs. She, uh, you know, she listens. And I, I think it's a mix of entrepreneurship and being the sibling to a special needs child. We often say Luca has an old soul. She was, a, she was very, she spoke very clearly and a lot, even when she was a really, really little girl. <laughs> so Julie and I have actually, we actually got like a couple bonus years with her, I think, because she was able to communicate. But I think she sees how greatly Julie and I care about the business and how, and that it's hard work and that this isn't just given to you. And so I think that's in her with her schooling. She's very di diligent with her schooling. She's also very empathetic. She's think she is always thinking about other people's feelings. She has a very close friend right now that is fighting cancer as a, as a kid. And so she's keenly aware that, you know, life is hard and has ups and downs, but also that you can build something and you can control your own destiny. Uh, so I, I think that's, in, in her now. I don't know yeah. how you'd answer that. No, I agree. And I, I, it's funny because even when we think she's not listening, even if we're in the kitchen just having a work conversation, she's always listening. And so like <laughs> it might be five minutes later, she'll be like, what does that mean? Yep. You know, which is cool because then it opens the door to like, oh, we're talking about this and let's describe what's, what's profit going. and loss yeah. or what's margin or what's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's really neat. And, and then, you know, she's a, she's a girl. She's a woman. So, our, you know, so I, I do like that she is, you know, my mom worked my entire when I was a kid. She worked when I was in elementary school and was going to college at night because she didn't complete her you know degree until I was until she was older. So I do like that she sees, you know, mom working, mom and dad working, that she sees me being passionate and, and having something not that my whole world isn't just my family. My family is my whole world, but it's okay for women to have other interests and and voices and a platform and so i i think that's a good thing for her to see that i mean i, I think again i grew up around that so you know maybe there was something instilled in me as well that hard workingness so she's got maybe a few more years before she's formally working in the business uh, yeah well we tease because like you know she's so good with like pinterest and all that stuff on the <laughs> ipad and especially like after these fat last few months we're like, you want to just like drop out of school and be like our, our new graphic <laughs> designer or something? Like, you can do that. And like, I don't like. We watch her on the computer sometimes. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, but she, she asks good questions. She asks good questions, though. Seriously, like, she, certainly plenty of times when. All right, she's 11, but yeah. she'll be like, from a marketing perspective, or have you guys thought about this? Or maybe you should ask your customer. Yeah. And we're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a damn good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one of the ideas Mike and I have been kicking around is doing a show featuring the kids of entrepreneurs. Love it. So maybe we can have Luca on the show and Lana, if she gets over her little stage fright. And we've had some other, yeah, we've had some other uh, couples with, with kids on the show. I think you should do like the same 10 questions for all, all the kids <laughs> and see how different the answers are. Because I bet you'd get some funny some funny responses. She'd be like, my parents argue all the time. They're like three-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, the kids say the darndest things. Well, you guys, this has been such an honor and a pleasure. I've laughed. I've almost cried. I've got goosebumps from this episode. We have talked about things that are near and dear to our hearts, things that you know, as parents and as you guys know that we went through that is unique. Thankfully, like you said earlier, not a lot of parents have to go through the trials and tribulations of a feeding tube. And thank God for that because it is challenging. And you know, God created us to have a mouth to eat and so on, you know, but there's also other opportunities and other avenues where 
individuals that previously struggled with that or had psychological or physiological impairments to feeding now have a real avenue in which they can, Tony, like you said, not only live, but they can thrive. They can have a normal, you know, quote unquote, a normal life. And, and, and I love that you guys, I love everything that you're doing. I love the culture that you have in your company. We, we want to maybe talk about that in another episode. We can have you guys on and talk more about culture and bringing that culture into the company. You've talked a lot about just normalizing and destigmatizing everything around feeding tubes and, and formula and feeding and nutrition, which is, you know, the, the, the big elephant in the room and something that you guys have been lucky and dogged enough to go after in your career. You know, that is a huge, huge undertaking. You know, you probably don't think about it on a day-to-day basis. You probably don't think about, well, we're going after these big, huge pharma companies, but that's what you really are. Um, you really are taking down an industry that has for many, many, Your many words. years, <laughs> <laughs> many, many, many years, um, you know, changed the mentality and the way that doctors think about food in relation to individuals, especially individuals with a feeding tube, which to your point earlier, Julie, if somebody was eating orally, they wouldn't be going through the challenges of fighting, you know, big pharma and doctors and and prescriptions and insurance and all of that stuff. So my hat's off to you guys, not only from a business perspective, but also on a personal level, because your food and your company has personally touched our family on a very deep level, and we're very grateful for that. To wrap it up, we'd like to ask you guys a couple of uh, final questions. First question is, what advice would you offer other spouses or couples looking to start a business together? I think Tony said it best earlier was just to make sure that you define your roles, that you're in charge of this, I'm in charge of this. And then, you know, so that's the ultimate, you've got the ultimate say here, I've got the ultimate say here. Obviously there's a partnership there, but if, if, you know, if that's if that line is blurry, it's really tough to get anything done. Um, so it's just setting expectations, defining the roles is probably the key, I think, to avoiding a lot of arguments and back and forth and, you know, wasted time, unfortunately. Yeah, I think, too, is, you know, the whole mindset of marriage and business is together. I think what I would tell people is be okay with having individual mentors and individual support groups. You don't have to do everything together. So you got to certain you're in it together always, but I have individual mentors and people that I talk to about this, or I'm struggling with this, or how have you, you know, how have you handled this situation before? And so does Julie, and then come back to each other with that information. You just, because you're running a company together, doesn't mean you have to have the same mentor, the same friend, the same this, and, uh, and being okay with that and knowing that's, you know, that, that goes back to the trust. So I think what Julie said, reinforcing the roles are important, but also you know, you, you got to maintain your individuality through it as well. That's brilliant advice. I'm glad you, you shared that with us because I think that, that a lot of our listeners out there that are in a, in a relationship can benefit from that, can, can really say, okay, we, we're in a marriage, we're in a relationship, we have a business, maybe we have kids too, but we can have separate avenues to explore how we grow as professionals which I think is very valuable and something that Mike and I have also been talking about for ourselves. All right, guys, we're wrapping this up. What is the one thing? So Tony, you're gonna answer this about Julie and Julie, you will answer this about Tony. 
what is the one thing or quality or characteristic that each of you bring to your business that you couldn't do without? Yeah, I mean, this is easy for me. The company wouldn't exist without Julie. Julie just gets things done. She she figures she figures out what needs to be done and gets it done. Extremely dependable and won't take no for an answer. So again, the 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 company the company could not exist with without Julie. And she just she just makes it happen. She's a she is a force of nature, and she carries that over to AJ's care and everything else. It's not just with the business, you know, there's a good chance that when, when Julie's not around, the laundry's not folded, the kids aren't fed, the bills aren't paid. So, uh, everyone's fed. So, yeah. The, like, <laughs> the, dishes, the dishes aren't cleaned up, nothing else is done, but everyone is fed, that's for sure. But no, she, she, uh, I have great respect for her ability to, and, and she's, she's a rock. She is consistent and has been since the day that I met her. She's on top of it with her, with her schooling, through business as a parent, and as my life partner and business partner. So yeah, that, that consistency is, is pretty awesome. For Tony, I would say, thank the Lord that he has this personality, this, this playfulness, this wait a second, let's have some fun um, side to him that I, I tease that everybody loves Tony. It's not everybody loves Raymond, it's everybody loves Tony. <laughs> and, you know, we've talked to Luca about this before. Like, I would much rather have a child who people wanted to be around and was a, a good person and a nice person and a fun person and enjoyable um, and compassionate and emotional, which he's all of those things, than a kid that just got straight A's. <laughs> like, that ability to relate to people. Should I say I'm not smart? <laughs> No, I am not saying that. I am saying because this this personality, it is it has served him so well in business. And he's really pushed me to get out of my comfort zone to pick up the phone and go see somebody in person sometimes. And I'm like, I'll just send an email. <laughs> you know, I could be much more introverted. And, and that's not always good for the business or relationships. And he excels at that. Like, like nobody's you know nobody's business i mean he definitely should have been in sales he would have been an amazing you know true salesperson because people want to be around him uh, i want to be around him um, and that is i think that's a quality again that people don't talk about a lot they underestimate it can't be taught you know this isn't a class in school but it's something that i think serves people if they have that trait whatever your, you know, your, your career is, that's going to serve you well. If people trust you and want to be around you and you're fun, but also serious. And he, he, he's that person for me, for sure. And for our business, he's in charge of fun too. As evidenced <laughs> by the big bourbon barrel we have back there behind our heads right now. <laughs> hey, what, what, you know, if you can't have fun in life sometimes, you know, with all the serious stuff and hard stuff, and and just to kind of put a ribbon on that, I I think you, that balance helps. Yeah. You know, if Julie if Julie and I were both kind of loud and outgoing and freewheeling, we probably wouldn't get much done. <laughs> and if we we're both super super analytical, we probably wouldn't get much done. There wouldn't be many people that want to work with us. Yeah. And so you know, sometimes I need to be reminded, like, okay, Tony, that's great. Like, great, you want to brainstorm and think about that, but we need to get something done. And other times, Julie needs to be around and like, hey, you know what? We need to think beyond this. And it's not just about like getting things done. Um, and that balance kind of leads to, you know, all those ingredients go in. And I think over time, if you if you learn that it's okay to not be right all the time, doesn't always have to be Julie's answer, doesn't always have to be Tony's answer, that you end up with something pretty special. So I'm grateful to be doing this with her. Again, this is cathartic. We don't always get to talk about this where you, where, you know, where we can be, be like that. 
but it's an amazing, cool thing that nobody can kind of ever take away from us. And the fact that we've been able to extend it with our team and our customers and now into philanthropy, it's just, that's, uh, that's enough for me. That's awesome. That's, that's an amazing story. Thank you guys for sharing all of this with us. Uh, like Gabby said, I think we can easily talk for hours about a, a lot of these things, not least of which is the, you know, the, the tube feeding and then, you know, our marketing backgrounds and whatnot. So thank you. You're, you're very, thank you yeah, for giving us it. this platform and, and kudos to you guys for what you're building yeah. and, and let us know on a personal level, if we can ever help in any way, we're, we're certainly, uh, we certainly can tell that we'd, we'd enjoy chatting more, yeah. maybe, maybe next time with the cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, that was a fascinating conversation. We love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses. And one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing. Luckily, Gabby and I run a B2B digital marketing agency called Proofpoint Marketing. Our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. We hope you'll join us next week as we feature another pair of co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.